Matt, I have a question for you. I'm, I may have an answer. Um, was that you picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? I, I don't, Matt, I don't, Matt, I don't, were you picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? I don't understand. Shut up and answer the question. Were you picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? I saw you on the edge of the bed picking your feet. Say it. Yeah, yes, that was me. I was picking my feet in Poughkeepsie. That was me. I did it. All right. Welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers. I'm Matt Bizell. And I am Ethan Knight. And as I say, we're back on our eighth episode. Eighth episode, yes. Number 93 on AFI's Top 100 list of American films is The French Connection, 1971. French Connection. So the reason I say we're back is because this is the closest time of recording to time of release that we've had so far. Yes. It is the 11th of November, and this will be out the 14th of November. So we yes. are, I guess, as close to the present as we've ever been. Right, because previously all of our normal episodes, not the off-week episodes, were recorded uh, this summer. So we are now back in real time. Yeah, so if we sound incredibly worn down by the rigors of our work and school, <laughs> you know why. And <laughs> the election, too. Well, I... This is a safe place where we escape from politics yes, to far away from it. so our listeners can hear our takes on these films. It's a simpler time. It's a simpler place here in our <laughs> vacuum. That is, there will be spoilers. So in the spirit of that, Ethan, why don't you give us one of those comfortable, familiar plot summaries? I will do such a thing as this, Matt. Here we go. So The French Connection is, is not an easy film to succinctly summarize. So this is what I got for you. The French Connection is the story of Popeye and Cloudy, two detectives in the narcotics unit in New York. After a drug deal bust, Popeye, who's uh, played by Gene Hackman, spies um, Sal Boca, who owns uh, a luncheonette, and he's mingling with these mafia members at a bar. They tail Sal, and they discover uh, his meager day job, right, working at a luncheonette, and they immediately suspect him as involved in illegal narcotics, uh, as his day job certainly can't support two luxury cars and lavish spending. Of course, the audience already knows that Sal is involved with a plot to smuggle drugs from France into America in a movie star's Lincoln car. As the film goes on, Popeye and Cloudy investigate, but they're discouraged by their boss. They persevere, uh, and the criminals catch on to the investigation. The lead man from France, Alain Charnier, has a run-in with Popeye but escapes. His hitman, Pierre Nicolai, decides to take out Popeye. Bang, bang, shoot him. Uh, he's going to die. <laughs> he snipes at him from the top of a building but misses, leading Popeye to chase him across the city. Nikolai makes it onto the train, and Popeye pursues on the street, leading to an exciting car chase, right, the most uh, iconic part of this film that leaves Nikolai dead, shot down dead. Eventually, Popeye impounds the French movie star's car and discovers the hidden drugs. He returns it to him, uh, and the deal goes down. However, Popeye and the police are waiting for everyone. They kill Boca, they arrest a bunch of the criminals, but Alain Charnier escapes into a warehouse. Popeye follows him, 
intending to kill him, but instead accidentally, well, maybe accidentally, kills um, another officer that he hadn't gotten along with. The film ends then really sort of jarringly with a series of still shots telling us that many of the criminals served minimal sentences, Popeye and Cloudy get transferred, and Elaine Charnier was never caught. Yeah, so I'm glad you're the one that does the plot summaries because I feel like I would just make a bunch of tire screeching noises. And oh, yeah. Just like uh, racial <laughs> slurs, uh, not reflecting on my views, but just uh, the way the Gene film. Hackman has oh, to yeah. say a bunch of things. But in any case, a couple things I did want to touch on. There is that one final gunshot that rings out at the end of the film. Yes. Which, well, I didn't like it. And I can tell you many reasons why. But you didn't like the gunshot or you didn't like the whole thing? Yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, why don't we talk about it? Why don't you give us a theme, Ethan, and we'll kind of dig in, sink our teeth into this film. I think this film touches a lot on the nature of crime and criminality, right? Like what is wrong and what is right and how this depends on maybe who's doing it. And we can maybe tie this into police tactics, police brutality, police behavior. Yeah, so I think what you're kind of getting at here is Popeye Doyle's behavior as a cop or yeah. rather misbehavior as a yeah. cop which the film goes out of its way to show us yes, right it does when cloudy comes to pick up doyle after he doesn't show up to work we assume he is handcuffed to the bed by a woman that we see doyle eyeing on a bike earlier in the day yeah he and this is after he came back from staying at the bar literally all night yeah he, he drinks all he drinks bar. all night he definitely is uh spending the night with with many women <laughs> he beats the shit out of uh black people you know he's not the model cop by right any means. which i want to return to during our three questions absolutely mm-hmm. but here i think giving that much screen time to this misbehavior i think is trying to elicit that kind of thing that theme that you're getting at here which is and what's acceptable yeah and i my Plot summary doesn't really touch on that because this movie is is not easy to really succinctly summarize because there are these sort of strange stints, right? This whole scene where, what's his name? Not Popeye, uh, Cloudy. Cloudy. Um, who plays him? What's his name? Roy Schneider. Roy mm-hmm. Schneider plays him from Jaws. Um, you know, Roy Schneider shows up at Gene Hackman's house. And I mean, it's a lengthy scene. It's not short. Um, you know, he's banging on the door. He's banging on the door. He has to break into Gene Hackman's apartment. He comes in, you realize you see clothes all over the place and bottles and things and the naked woman and that we spend a lot like the, he picks up the underwear like there's all of this time. I mean the first scene that starts out is Gene Hackman in the Santa outfit um, and they do this drug bust and they you know beat the shit out of this black guy. They chase him down and there are racial slurs left and right. Yeah, well that's not actually the first scene. The first scene is Nikolai killing off another guy. Oh yeah, France. yeah, yeah sort of disjointed because it doesn't it just tells us a little bit about Nikolai maybe but yeah it's not really intrinsic to the plot in any real way I guess it's supposed to add a sense of danger to the situation I, yeah I think so I mean I think it sets up these guys that you know the, the French guys as uh as just bad dudes yeah which I don't know if it really ever comes across what's the worst thing we see Charnay do he gets on and off a subway car four or five times. <laughs> That's like literally the worst thing he does in this film. I'm sure he's peddling, what, heroin? But it's yeah. it doesn't seem like... And he's the one that dissuades 
uh, or tries to dissuade Nikolai from uh, from killing Doyle. Yeah, he says there'll be others. It. It, it has no use value, right? So it's right. not out of the kindness of his heart. He just says there's no use value here. Um, so setting him up to be this horrible villain, it just it doesn't ring true for me. Yeah, Ch- Charnier doesn't really seem. I mean, that's the thing. There's not necessarily a clear good or bad guy in this film. And maybe this is a reflection of 1971. Well, certainly, it's. I mean, it's a reflection of 1971. But also, you know, I think part of that is, well, I don't know. We, I'll, I'll wait for what I want to say till later. Well, I think I want to dig into sort of some of the reasons I didn't really like this film. I think they had to do with plot, and I think this is the area to talk about them. That okay. final gunshot that I didn't like, what are we supposed to think with that? What is that? What purpose does that serve? So at the very end of the film, Jimmy Doyle, Popeye, runs off after Charnier, and I keep I say it different every time, so you just have to bear with me. Yeah. And fires off one gunshot, and that's supposed to be a cliffhanger or some climactic moment. But we know the villain escapes. We know right, Popeye they tell us does it yeah. after. And right after. We know Popeye himself does not die, so it's not suicide. Right. So what is the, it's just nothing. It's no purpose. Yeah, and so maybe this is the time to sort of talk about the the issues I had with this. And my issues are are similar to yours. This film, in a lot of ways, reminds me of the problems I have with like James Bond films. You know James Bond isn't going to die. And James Bond is played by different actors all the time. And so it's not easy to... You, know, you, you sort of know he's a figure. So you're not sympathizing or empathizing really that much. The bad guys usually aren't terribly fleshed out other than that they're like evil and they have some sort of gimmick you don't really know like what the stakes really are because it's kind of a cartoon and kind of not and i feel like that's what's sort of going on in this film is that you don't really care about gene hackman or roy schneider and they actively sort of push for you to dislike gene hackman uh, because, you know, like you said, he's got this kind of past. Something happened in the past that's hinted to that, you know, cops died because of Yeah, him. and that's his primary difficulty with the officer, not the officer, the FBI agent, Muldering, that he eventually kills yeah, at the kills. end yeah. on accident, which I was expecting some kind of twist that Muldering was a part of it or something. Right. I thought that might be where it was heading, but it just was kind of cut and dry, bland from start to finish. Nothing subverted my expectations. Nothing right. surprised me about it. It all kind of just went from from scene to scene. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think some of that is that, like, what's at stake? I, you know, we, the characters aren't endearing. The plot is kind of confusing because it's really about the ins and outs of, you know, the heroin market, which just isn't presented as very interesting well unless you're like really big into foot chases like right, right. just walking around and observing just like staking out people yeah which i guess is that's probably how it is right it's probably not super exciting or glamorous and some of those foot chases actually get to be sort of tense yeah and so i kind of commend the film for doing that but i don't want to see six of them because right. it's not varied, it's not interesting to me. So I guess what this film wanted to do, or maybe one of the things it was initially trying to do at some point, and it fades off, is redemption for Popeye Doyle. Yeah. Someone gets killed on his bad hunch, so we get that same situation repeated again. Um, he has a hunch, he wants to follow it down, someone has a chance to die, what happens? Someone dies, so there is no redemption for Doyle, but they don't make a big deal out of it, they just get transferred out of the department. Mm-hmm. Which, I guess, I don't really know a good place to put this. I might as well just say it now. This is, I think, the fourth film that we've watched that is based on a book. Yeah, it is based on a book. I was looking up some facts about this, and 
I don't know if the FBI agent died in reality or not, but they did get transferred out only after like a long period of time afterwards. So it right. wasn't wasn't oh, as yeah. So we should abrupt. make this clear for the audience. It's not just a book. It's based on a nonfiction book, right? Right. That that's important. Yeah. So this is essentially based on true events, right? And the actual people were in the film in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, the the character or the the real human who uh, Popeye Doyle was uh, based on spent a lot of time on set. And I think his partner, who they call Cloudy, the reason he has a nickname Cloudy because his name was Sunny and he didn't have a sunny disposition, so they called him Cloudy. <laughs> I think he plays the other FBI agent that's only seen briefly. Oh, does he? Yeah. I mean, so in some ways, I think maybe what we can pull from this is that this film does sort of show us the mon- This is to go maybe back to our discussion of Pulp Fiction. It talks about like how mundane actual police work is and how like not glamorous actual police work is you know and how police get it wrong but i think all that's undone by this epic chase scene that is really i have to believe the reason this film is on the list Uh, because it's this very like high octane and incredibly dangerous for the time i think they even clipped someone's car they didn't mean to yeah well what from what i understand because there's a big myth rumor right that says that they didn't actually close the streets and those were real accidents when his car barrels through and hits people and that's not quite true from what i understand uh and from what i've read those times where he hits people in his car like his car hits another car were stunts where the car the other cars were supposed to barely miss him and didn't (laughs) Right, so they had this thing that is, you know, staged but comes off being real. To further complicate things, they close off like five blocks, but they don't close off more, and the chase goes outside of those five blocks. Right, so in yeah. some cases, yeah. So it's kind of this this mess in that sense. Yeah, so it's the danger in that in that chase scene is real and palpable in some sense, in a way that other chase scenes aren't. And I think you're right. I mean, this has really got to be the the inclusion. The reason it's included because it does this chase scene so well um and i think this idea uh, of sort of you know it's not quite shaky cam yet but like it's that documentary feel where you know you're the cameraman is running with the the cops right it's just it's a a sequence of chase sequences where you're in it you know even in that car scene or the car chase scene you know they have the the camera to the tied to the bumper of the car and so you're seeing you know, there's a moment where the car is is cutting through an intersection and almost t-bones another car, and like, oh, you're right there. I mean, you're you're on the bumper of the car. Exactly. But here's the problem. And if I could use Ben Hur as a point of comparison for this, Ben Hur may have been included for its epic chariot race, right? I think that's pretty. Sure. It's not controversial to say that. Uh, a lot of innovation was done with cinematography and camera work just like it was done in The French Connection. However, Ben-Hur did not stand on the chariot race alone. It had an entire plot outside of it that I was really invested in for the first two hours, 20 minutes, right? The last 40 Mm -hmm. or 30 minutes kind of lost me in uh, terms of theme, right? But The French Connection really just stands on that chase. The problem with that chase is it doesn't really even belong in the film. So he chases this guy down because he inadvertently murders a woman because he's trying to shoot Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. And so Gene Hackman really pursues this guy beyond the 
uh, use value of capturing that guy. He's putting more people in danger mm -hmm. by this chase scene. This guy, Nikolai, running away um, is going to crash the train, kill a bunch of people. People die on there. All of this mm -hmm. is directly related to Gene Hackman and just deciding that he needs to bring justice to this guy, which is really yeah. just revenge or re not even any kind of actual justice with capital J. Right, he just wants to kill this motherfucker. I mean, that's Yeah, what and so he does, to. right, because he shoots him in the back, which is like the famous image of this film. Mm -hmm. And so that's all it comes down to. And then what happens the next scene or the next couple scenes? Everything's more or less back to normal. There's no like repercussion, at least that we can see from Hackman or yeah. Popeye Doyle shooting this guy. There's no like no one even really mentions it. They just get back on the case. <laughs> right. He freaking kills a dude, shoots him in the back, and no one says boo about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think your evaluation of this film, like, right, where the first, I don't know, three quarters of it don't necessarily stand on your own, I think you're, you're right. And I've seen this film at least once before, maybe twice, and so, I, you know, I, I knew the plot, but watching it this time around, I, we... It doesn't once that car, once the chase scene happens, then things pick up, and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm like I'm ready for things to happen here. They they get the uh, the Lincoln, they strip the Lincoln, they find the drugs, they send the Lincoln back, and you're like, oh, what are they gonna do? Are the drugs in there? And then you find out the drugs are in there, and they're like, oh, how are they gonna stop them? And then they he's chasing after him, and he kills the FBI agent, and boom, it's over. Right. <laughs> and so I think this is actually a great place to get to our pivotal scene. Because this is exactly that, right? It's the turning mm -hmm. point. They get the Lincoln. They're tearing it apart. This is where thematically we're wondering if Jimmy Doyle is a a bum, this deflandering bum, a failed cop, or he actually has a chance at redemption, right? Yeah. So before I say any more about it, let's give it a listen. Let's listen. Nothing there except a New York City map. Are you bullshitting me? That, that car's dirty. We'll take it in and tear it apart. Enfin, on va pas passer la journée ici, ça fait deux heures qu'on est là. Non, écoutez, soyez patient, soyez patient, je vais le... Look, the car was lost sometime last night. First, they sent us to Pier 1, then they sent us here, then what? I don't understand why you parked the car down by the waterfront. You tell me you're staying at the Doral in Midtown Manhattan and you lose the car out by the Brooklyn Bridge? Look, Monsieur Devereux is scouting locations for a film for French television. He probably left the car to look at some point of interest. We were told by the police commissioner's office that the car was brought to this garage. I demand its immediate return. You're going to have to be patient, Mr. Devereux. We get four or five hundred cars here a day. Monsieur Devereux is a very important guest of this country. He is working with the absolute cooperation and participation of your government. Here are his credentials from the French consulate. Unless you wish to see this episode portrayed in his film, I suggest you locate the car immediately. You're in a no-smoking area, sir. Will you please extinguish your cigarettes? What was the weight of the car when you got it, Irv? Forty-seven hundred and ninety-five pounds. That's what it was, 4,795 pounds when it came into the shop. Owner's manual says 4,675. It's 120 pounds overweight. And when it was booked into Marseille, it was 4,795. That's still 120 pounds overweight. Jimmy's got to be right. Listen, I ripped everything out of there. Except the rocker panels. Come on, Irv! What the hell is that? Okay, so what you heard was um, a little comical bit with the, the French 
uh, movie star and the effectively the translator. That's why he's there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Talking to the cop, looking for his car, and then we jump to Doyle and Cloudy, and I think the mechanic's name is Vic, tearing it apart. And this is where Doyle is at his lowest, right? He's defeated. He is, in fact, a bum. We can't... Um, he has no like he's he's out right. We we as the viewer start to understand that maybe his hunches are failed and he's not going to make it. So then what happens is we find out that there is in fact a a secret compartment so to speak as you heard and Doyle is back on top right. This is our chance for redemption. It kind of fails on that on that front. So ultimately I find this to be kind of an unsuccessful film because in the ways in which. And, you know, I always care about story. Right. <laughs> the story fails to be uh, realizable, right? It fails to attain. Now, mm-hmm. the counter-argument to that is likely, well, this is real life. Yeah, but you're making a film out of it, and you're trying to doctor it up. And just because it's based on a true story, it shouldn't mean you're limited to making some thematic completion. So, for it fails to attain its own theme of, like, this idea of Flannery Cop, Chance at Redemption, Failure Redemption... And maybe that's its own success. But to me, it's just like you just should have picked a different theme. You should have gone with a different angle. And so it could have been successful on its own terms. So I don't know. I'm not sure how you feel. I just, I don't think this is a very interesting film. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would agree. I don't dislike it. And I don't necessarily think it shouldn't be on the list. But I, you know, it's just not one of those films. And maybe this is a genre thing that I can't get into you know, like, I, I spent the first half of the film, really the first three quarters of the film, being like, you know, it's got its moments that are exciting, but I didn't really care about any of the characters. I wasn't interested in really any of these people. I had no sort of, I, you know, I didn't feel lost in the world. Yeah, and to sort of extend that fact, this is how not lost in the world I was. I paused that film maybe 10, 12 times, got up and did other things like wash dishes, uh, you know, like do just like grade some papers. It's just, it could not capture me. Which, at all. which, you know, I wonder because it was well received. I mean, and it won, I, t- I wrote down actually, uh, this film won best picture, best director, best actor, best screenplay. Yeah, no, it certainly raked him in. And I think that's something we can get to in our three questions. But what do you say we uh, hold off and give each other our theses first? Yeah, let's do that. You're right. So do you want to go to seven gives yours? Yeah, this is what I've got. Both crime and police work aren't pretty. The lines between good and bad are rather blurry. Bad things are done by good people in order to fight crime, but often the perpetrators aren't really punished, if at all. So it kind of ends up being for nothing. All of this work for nothing. All of this bad stuff for nothing. So with my thesis, I took a step outside of the film, as I think I want to do. Mm-hmm. Typically we do these theses. Yeah. And just say something about the creation of the film as opposed to the story itself. And I think in this case, you, the viewer, are asked, hey, do you like spectacle? And if that answer is yes, <laughs> have a seat. <laughs> but otherwise, it, it lacks a certain substance for me. Hey, do you like spectacle? Take a seat. <laughs> that's 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 what they put on the uh the marquee i don't know why this is so funny to me <laughs> but in any case i think this this draws us into our three questions yeah it does so why don't we just get right down to brass tacks all right ask away matt do we care about this film <sighs> yes but not not an emphatic yes it's a yes yeah yeah more of a yeah yeah I think if 
if I say all these films are on this list for a reason, and then I hold each one up to, for scrutiny and say, do I care about this? I think this one becomes a no. So I understand that this chase is really important, cinematography, that kind of stuff. But on its own, outside of those things that might have gotten it placed on the list, I don't think it holds up to the other films. I think the other seven films we've watched have been superior to this in a variety of ways. So I don't think I care about this film beyond the fact that it's on the list for certain reasons that I can understand and get behind, but beyond that, not so much. Well, maybe maybe the question becomes this, like, is this a film that you're going to watch again? Absolutely not. Yeah, and I don't know that I would watch this again. I've seen it now at least twice, so I, I don't know that I would watch it again. Now, I think really what the issue is here is that I, I'm just not interested in the story. I don't think the story, and I think maybe this is where you're coming from, that the story is just not engaging and not it's just not i'm not into it i mean i think yeah the film's not on the list for the story right we can easily yeah make that statement. although people said in its in re- in reviews of it you know that it was so well written and blah, blah 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 and i think what it is is that the dialogue is great that's what it is it's the cop quip yeah the cop the like witty quips and shit like uh roy schneider at one point he's talking to i think it's the movie star the french movie star and he says you you must lead a charming life you know, like yeah. these sort of like not quite the what the you know, or, or when they're standing outside the restaurant and Roy Schneider brings him a slice of pizza and a coffee and he's and, and you know, they're looking into this like fancy, expensive restaurant and he goes, Would you like the red or the white? And it's just a cup of shitty coffee that Gene Hackman pours out in about five minutes. Right, to sort of like illustrate the difference between these two, the criminals and the and the good guys. Right? Yeah, and so and and I think the cinematography is really is really excellent. Like I think all of the sort of first person view shots are really cool, and I think that like last scene in the warehouse when he runs in and you get that first person shot of him like walking through the warehouse. I mean, even on a second view, and I watched this on my computer and not on the on the television, so it was on a smaller screen. That still and I and I had seen the film before. It still had a, a bit of like excitement right there. I was like, oh. Whew, I can kind of feel it, you know? Right, that's the one part I was really ultimately tense about this, was that instance there. Right, but do am I, do I feel, like, cheated that he didn't get whatever his name was, Garnier Fructis? N- not, not, <laughs> yes. <laughs> not really, like, I, because I, honestly, I don't really, I don't really care. Like, Gene Hackman's character, they, they made a sequel, you know. Um, where, yes, where he, I just saw that. Yeah, where he goes to France and, and kills Garnier Fructis, and... I don't fuck. I don't need to see this sequel. I have no interest in seeing the sequel. I don't care about these characters enough to really even watch this movie again. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me if Charmin Ultra escapes at the end of this. <laughs> but I think what we're doing is answering our second question, which is what do we owe to this film? Yeah, I'll go ahead and jump on this one. I think really it's just all the tropes, all the philandering cop, good cop, bad cop trope stuff. And I think, and I think thriller movie tropes are, are you know i mean thriller movies sort of oh certainly owe something to this uh, especially in terms of like car chase scenes like this is one of the best car chase scenes in cinema right like it it has been oft duplicated you know what i mean or or imitated it just that's just a fact right or these foot chases you know but this is a movie with, with a lot of chase scenes that have been imitated you know and i don't know that this is necessarily the genesis of like the philandering cop sort of thing although i don't know what year is dirty harry i wonder uh, it came out the year after oh okay yeah so and I, and obviously this is like the 1970s is a moment of anti-hero 
sort of things, you know, these cop, loose cannon cops and all that. And so the, this is this is of a moment where all these things are starting to become, you know, commonplace. And so even if this isn't the genesis of it, this is absolutely playing into the creation of a lot of these things that we see on, you know, I don't know, it's on TV now, you know, the, all these police procedurals that are like, oh, the, the cops. Uh. Right, absolutely. So I think the paradox here is that we owe so much to it, given all that you said, that we care very little about it because of that. Yeah, I think so. I think that is, is maybe it exactly. That, like, it's now, a lot of this has become cliche now. Yeah, so I think that puts us very naturally into our third question. Does this film hold up? Visually, certainly. Visually, it's it's excellent. If you watched it without, you know, like, if, you, if it was just on in the background and you were seeing this movie and not really paying attention to the plot... Yeah, and I mean, even I guess the plot, if you, like, actually pay attention to it, but I just had trouble paying attention to the plot. I just don't care, right. you know? I just didn't care. And the film itself doesn't do itself any favors, but uh, such as such as it is, right? right? It's on the list, I think, for all the reasons we mentioned, but ultimately, we both kind of soured on it. Yeah, and, and that's not, and I don't, I don't know that I necessarily want to end on a note that, you know, I dislike this film or I don't. I mean, it's not that I dislike this film, I'm just not terribly interested in this film and i think it's worth seeing i don't know that it's worth like loving and watching over and over i mean i I, yeah it's worth it's worth a watch yeah so you know what let's just end it there yeah the film it may be worth the watch but i'm certainly not going to return to it anytime soon but i can tell you what i'm turning to next and that's number 92 on afi's top 100 list 1990s goodfellas goodfellas have you seen this one matt what do you think? Of course not. Of course not. Uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but you're in for another treat. Like this is going to be a, a good movie, uh, and I think I think you'll enjoy it much more than you enjoyed this movie, which seems to be not at all. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. Definitely, I really am optimistic, uh, and I look forward to it. And I hope you look forward to it as well, dear listener. But until then, I'm Matt Vizel, and I am Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers! There Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced every week by Matt Bazell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at BeccaTheKnight or at NightDraws.com. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. He's all over the internet. Google him. You can find us on Twitter if you want to tweet at us. Tweet, tweet, at SpoilersCast. We're on Facebook at There Will Be Spoilers. If you are so inclined, email us at SpoilersCast at gmail.com. We've tried to answer some of these emails on our off-week intermission podcast. We haven't gotten very many. So you can change that with questions, comments, even hate mail. Remember, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, whatever you prefer. And we'll see you next week. Really funny. Really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? It's just, you know, you're just funny. It's, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're you're funny. (laughs) You mean, let me understand this, because I don't know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you?
show you all my life. All right, good. People getting too big on me Just now. Don't go busting my balls, Billy, okay? Hey, Tommy, if I was gonna break your ball, I'd tell you to go home and get your shine box. <laughs> oh, this kid, this kid, this kid was great. They, I used to call him Spit Shine Tommy. I swear to God, oh, he'd make your shoes look like fucking mirrors. Excuse my language. He was terrific. He was the best. And he made a lot of money, too. Salud, Tommy. No more shines, Billy. What? I said no more shines. Maybe you didn't hear about it. You've been away a long time. They didn't go up there and tell you. Oh. I don't shine shoes anymore. Relax, will you? For crying out, what's, what's got into you? I'm breaking your balls a little bit, that's all. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. I mean, I'm only kidding with you. We're having a party. I mean, I just came home. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I'm breaking your balls, and you're right away you're getting fucking fresh. I'm sorry. I don't mean right. to offend you. I'm sorry, too. It's okay. No problem. Okay, salute. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Motherfucking mutt! You! You fucking...